Well, hi friends, welcome to Seacoast. We are so excited that you chose this weekend to worship here with us. My name is Katie Walters. If I haven't had a chance to meet you and I'm so thankful to come and get in God's word and share my heart with you today. You know, I wanna give a special shout out to all the ladies in the house to say happy Mother's Day to all of you here. If you're joining us online or at one of the campuses, you know, this week on Wednesday night for Sisterhood One Night, I got to be with our Columbia and Irmo campus. We had so much fun together. I wish I could see you guys now, but just know we love you guys. We say happy Mother's Day. I have to give a little bit of honor to my mom who's here for Mother's Day, my mother-in-law who's here. That's right, you could clap for them. I'm so, I'm so thankful for them. You know, my mom was a single mom until I was a teenager. And um, if that would give any hope to any of you, you should know that she's got a testimony for some crazy children. You know what I'm saying? And me and my sister are preaching in our churches this weekend. And she says that's her Mother's Day gift from God that that would happen. I'm telling you, if it can happen for us, it can happen for anybody. So um, I say happy Mother's Day today to all the ladies. Because the truth is this. God has called women to be life bearers, not just physically, sometimes physically, but always spiritually and emotionally. We are called and set apart by God to bring life into the world. And you know, sometimes I think as a woman, we can feel insignificant or unvalued, but you need to know tonight that you are valuable to God. You are significant to him, and you are valued in this church. Just the fact that I'm able to come and open up God's word and share with you tonight shows you that you are valued in this church. We know that some of the first preachers of the gospel were the women who went to the tomb, saw Jesus risen from the grave, and went and told the disciples about it. Women are valuable to God. And so to all the ladies in the house, whatever season you find yourself in, whether you're single, whether you're a single mom, you're an adoptive mom, a foster mom, a mentor mom, a small group leader, can we just take a minute and celebrate all the women in the house this weekend? We love you so much, we love you online. So incredible. And you know, we have been in a series in our church called Restoration. And the concept around this collection of messages is just that God wants to take our past, but it does not determine our future. Our past doesn't always determine our future. And you know, that is my family story. Some of you know and have heard that story, but when we got here to Seacoast 10 years ago, we were in a very dark and broken season. We had a lot of pain in our life. And we watched God in his tender mercy so kindly restore us back to a place of life and joy and health health in our marriage, health in our family. This place we, was a place where we really did find God. We really did start to grow our faith, not only in him, but also in each other, in ourselves. We found our purpose. We did not find perfection, sadly, not even close, but we did find purpose, and he enabled us to make a difference. And I just wanna honor our pastors, pastors Greg and Debbie and Josh and Lisa. You know, they found us in that state 10 years ago. They just continue to take a risk on us, even up until today. And God did such an incredible work in our life. And I just want you to know, if you hear me say nothing else this weekend, that if he did that for us, he can do that for you too. He is a miracle working God. And it is his greatest joy to restore his people back to life and health. And you know, this weekend I believe God's given me a word around the idea of restoring us to joy. Restoring us to joy. Did you know that God has called us to be a people of joy? 
of people of joy. And he tells us in Psalm 16, he tells us this. He says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And it's my prayer that this weekend, just by coming into his presence, that God is literally gonna lighten our load. He's gonna make us leave here of people that are, are more joyful, ready to encounter a world that is hurting and waiting. Will y'all pray with me so that we can get started? Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for the gift of your son. I thank you for your incredible mercy that I'm able to stand here today, a miracle of your grace. Father, I pray that you do what only you can do, that we've asked your presence to fill this house. And when we come in here, God, we actually encounter you. And it does more than just words. It does even more than worship. It actually can restore us. And I ask that we, you restore joy to us today. We love you so much, and we ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. All right, so I have a question for you. Have you ever had a time where you saw someone or something and you thought to yourself, I'm just not made like that? I am just not made like that. Well, I've had a lot of times like that. Sometimes I'll be scrolling online or I'll see something on the Instagram and I'll just think, I just am not made like that. Just in case you didn't know exactly what I was talking about, I brought a couple of examples for you this weekend. So I have a picture up here. This is one thing that as soon as I see this, I'm like, I am just not made like that. Martha, our good friend Martha, I'm telling you 17 sides that all come out at the same time. My mother-in-law is here and she can attest to you. It did not take our family long. Like the very first Thanksgiving they called and they were like, hey Katie, um, we were wondering if you could bring the, the paper plates to Thanksgiving. And... <laughs> I've been bringing paper plates for 16 years since. I have to tell you, I just cannot. My mother-in-law has two kids and she literally cooks for an army. I have an army and I just don't, I cook like a protein. And then I'm looking around like salad, chips, you know, what could we put with that? 17 sides coming out at one time. I am just not made like that. I am just not made like that. Well, this next picture is self-explanatory. I mean, why do we wanna swim in the shark's house? Why? I don't understand that at all. And then this picture, it's like they're literally in a cage in the shark's house. And I don't even understand. I mean, it looks like there's no gear happening on these women. It's kind of more like an underwater suicide attempt or something. I'm like, what is happening right there? I am just not made like that. I'm just not made like that. And the last one is our women's pastor here, Jenna Surratt, skydiving, fearless, I am just not made like that. You know, Jenna is one of my very best friends and she has this motto. She says, there's nothing to fear except for God. And I'm like, oh, I see you all are friends because I have a motto too. It's that you should fear everything except for God. Like literally, we just see it. We see it opposite. You know, we see it opposite. I'm just not made like that. Well, many of you have probably had those thoughts too about someone or something. And you know, we're talking about this morning the idea of restoring joy. And I think honestly, when we think about that, when we think about joy or a joyful person, sometimes we can think like, I'm just not made like that. Like you're thinking to yourself, Katie, listen, I am an intellectual. I'm a deep thinker. I'm a serious person. I'm a critical person. I'm just not made like that. And you know, personality comes into play. I am not talking about silliness or lighthearted or cutting flips all day, even though how many of us know that we could use a little bit more of that in our life. But I'm not talking about that when it comes to joy. I'm talking about a settled assurance. 
You know, joy can be defined as kind of knowing the end of the story is gonna be good. Happiness would be more like, I love the part of the story that I'm in right now. But joy knows that the end of the story is gonna be good. And some of you have come in with things that are even more difficult than that. Pain that I cannot imagine. You're carrying something tonight that is so heavy. This is a season of grief or loss. And to those of you, I would say, I honestly cannot imagine that. But here's what I do know. I know that scripture tells us that even though weeping will last for a night, and sometimes we don't know how long that night is gonna be, that joy comes in the morning, that joy comes in the morning, and God wants us to be a people of joy. You know, in the past four years, I've actually been really challenged by some women's joy. About four years ago, we were able to start a nonprofit called Francis and Benedict, and it's out of Togo, West Africa. And the women there in Togo have taught me so much about joy, but it's been challenging to me at times. Because you see, I see these women who have so little, all nine of them that work for this nonprofit, none of them have running water. And every single morning they get up and they prepare their kids, ready to get them off for school with no running water. Then most of them walk over two miles to go to a job that is honestly mundane at best. They're doing it over and over and over again but they have such joy, this deep, settled assurance in them. And I've watched them and it's really challenged me. It's made me think like, am I a woman of joy? And you know, I titled this message today, if mama ain't happy, if mama ain't happy. And I did not title it that way because I wanna come after all the mamas this weekend. Because how many of us moms know, most of us are just trying to do the best we can and we are giving it our all. I didn't title it that way. I titled it, If Mama Ain't Happy, because I want you to finish this sentence for me. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Ain't nobody happy. How many of you know that mama can make a feast of a meal, but if something sets mama off, Ain't nobody enjoying that dinner. You know what I'm saying? I think I've been that mom a time or two. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And why is that? I think it's because mama is a servant-hearted leader in her home. She comes in and she changes the environment. She takes responsibility for herself, but also for all of those around her. And so if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. It's an example for all of us as believers, as children of God. Because see, we are servant-hearted leaders too. And we go out into our world and we change some things. We change the atmosphere. We change the environment. And it does not matter the feast that God has set before us, the blessings that we have, if we are not people of joy, if we don't exhibit joy to this hurting world, then everyone around us is not gonna experience the blessings of God either. So today we're talking about becoming a people of joy. How do we do that? There's three theological truths I want us to look at tonight because if we're gonna be a people of joy, there's gonna be some things we have to stand on because how many of you know not every season is enjoyable, not every circumstance is enjoyable. So there's gonna be things that we're gonna need to stand on, beliefs that we need to have, and then three ways that we need to act in joy. Three ways to act in joy. So the first one is there on your outline and it says this. Joy comes by knowing that I'm a part of God's story and he has a plan for my life. Joy comes by knowing that I am a part of God's story and he has a plan for my life. Do you believe that this weekend? I'm a part of God's story. 
Sometimes I think when we get through these certain circumstances, these difficult places in life, we can forget these truths that we know. You know, Deuteronomy 30 is there on your outline. And this chapter of scripture, the title of this chapter is actually The Promise of Restoration, the series that we've been in. And I love this chapter of scripture because it tells us so much about just what we're talking about, these truths that God wants to help us remember. And it says this, it says, for this commandment that I command you today, it's not too hard for you. It's not too far off. He's saying, this is not too difficult. This is not pastor talk or preacher talk or something that you cannot obtain. He says, you would say, who would ascend to heaven and bring this to us that we may hear it and do it? It's not beyond the sea that you should say, who could go over to the sea and bring this back to us that we could do it? For this word is very near to you. It's in your mouth, it's in your heart so that you can do it. See, I've set before you today life and good, death and evil. Two paths, life and good, and also death and evil. He says, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I'm commanding you today, by loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his commandments, his statutes and his rules, then you will live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you're entering to take possession of. You know, he tells us this stuff is not too hard. It's not too difficult. But how many of you know that sometimes the most simple stuff of our faith is actually the most difficult to live out? It's actually the most challenging to actually believe and act on in any given Tuesday. At least I know that is true for me. And you know, Pastor Chris Hodges of Church of the Highlands, he says it like this. He says, if you don't know why God made you, how God made you, and what he made you to do, then everything else will define it. What he's saying is that sometimes as people of God, we gotta remember that we're a part of God's story. We're a part of a bigger picture, but he has a plan for our life. That we have a destiny about us that even if we can't see it right now, God is still at work that God still has a plan for us. You know, in Hebrews 12, it tells us about Jesus. It says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Do we think he took joy, he enjoyed the cross? No, being beaten, bruised, mocked, considered like dirt. He didn't enjoy the moment of the cross, but it was for the joy that was set before him. His purpose is what prevailed. The joy that was set before him was you, it was me. It was that purpose that prevailed. And the same has to be true in our life. You know, I knew when I was 18 years old and I was in a pit of rebellion and crazy and God literally pulled me out and brought me into his family. I knew in that moment that I was a part of God's story. But it really wasn't until I got here 10 years later, 10 years ago, that I started to realize that he had a plan for my life that he still had a plan for my life. You know, sometimes it's on our worst day, our greatest failure, our most discouraging season. In that season, when we start to hear God's words of life and love over us, you know, I realized then that God is not the God of the second chance. It actually makes me angry when people say, God is the God of the second chance. I'm like, no, God is the God of the fat chance, the slim chance, the no chance, the a thousandth chance. I have a testimony about that. Does anybody else have a testimony about that? That God is not the God of the second chance. He is the God of the millions of chances. He has a plan for our life. 
And it doesn't matter exactly what season we find ourselves in right now. If we can believe that, if we can stand on that truth, then we can really be people of joy because we can know that we are a part of a bigger story. We're a part of a bigger people and he has a plan for our life. You know, Romans 8, 28 says it like this. It says, for we know that in all things, say all things, all things, not just the best things, not just the fun things, but all things, that worst failure, that worst day, that worst season, that greatest loss, all things, God works together for the good of those that love God, that are called according to his purpose. He doesn't say he works it together for the most sacrificial in the church, the most generous, the perfect church person, no. He says he works it all things together for all of those who love God. And that's you and that's me. We are a part of God's story and he has a plan for our life. The second thing that we need to stand on if we're gonna be people of joy is that we need to know the second thing on your outline is this, God is gonna work it out. God is gonna work it out. Do you ever look around and see those mentors here sometimes in the church, at your campus, that are 70, 80 years old, the godly people of your faith? And you look at them and you think they just seem a little more relaxed, a little more joy-filled. You know, I think it's because they are. I think it's because they are. I think they've walked with God long enough. They've been through enough really rough seasons that they know that God is gonna work it out. And I don't know about you, but there are some days where I just need to know and remember that God is gonna work it out. You know, I'll never forget, I was 22 years old and I was pregnant with our second daughter. I was finishing up graduate school, but I was gonna go back to be teaching in the fall. And I was so overwhelmed. I did not know what I was doing. And I was pushing my oldest daughter, who was about one at the time, around in our townhouse community. And as I'm pushing her around, I saw this woman in her late 50s and her name was Miss Barb. But when I saw her, she had like a gaggle of children behind her. I mean, some of them were half naked, some of them were in Batman costumes, and she's like laughing and speaking Spanish to them sometimes, speaking English to them sometimes, she's blowing bubbles, and she just looks so full of joy. And I was like, I've got to know this woman. So I went over and kind of met her and we struck up a friendship and we became friends all summer. And when I went back to school that fall, she began keeping Anna Jay and Abigail. And you know, every single day, I would get off school at four and I would go and sit on Miss Barb's couch. And she would teach me about mothering. She would tell me, Katie, God gave you these children to enjoy them. They are a gift to you. They are part of your joy. You need to enjoy these children. And she would say, don't worry about this specific thing or that specific thing. She had six kids and only one of them still lived in her home. And she just had a bigger perspective on life. And I'll never forget the day that I had my very first miscarriage. And I came and I sat on Barb, Miss Barb's couch. And I was in such deep pain. And I was crying and she said, Katie, you should be in pain. It's devastating. It's a devastating loss. And she said, but here's something I need you to know. She said, part of God's pathway to giving you the family that you desire is gonna involve pain. Pain is gonna be part of this process. And it's not gonna take the pain away. It's not gonna make it any less, but it is gonna help you to get through it. And what she was trying to tell me in that moment was that God was gonna work it out. God was gonna work it on, out and I would go on to have more miscarriages after that. And one of them was very late term. 
And it did not take my pain away, but it did strengthen me to know that, okay, God is going to work it out. I look at this Psalm 93 in the message version. It's there on your outline, and it talks about God is robed and ruling. It says, sea storms are up, but our God is on the throne. It says, beauty and holiness mark his palace rule. And I don't know about you, but if I have a really discouraging day, which they come all the time, or have feeling grief or loss, there's days where I just need to put on some hymns of old, and I'll drive out to the ocean, and I'll look at this amazing, fierce, ocean, which I've already told you that I don't like to swim in (laughs) from earlier, but I'll look at this incredible ocean that God made, and I'll remember my God. I'll remember that my God spoke, and that ocean came to be. He said, oceans, let's go, and there were oceans. That is our God. He is robed and ruling. He is on the throne, and beauty and holy mark his palace rule. That is our God, and sometimes the season is going to get so troubling The pain is going to be so deep or the circumstances and we need to look at that and we need to talk about them and we need to be real about what's happening. But we don't want to forget that at the same time, our God is on the throne, that he's working all things together and that he is going to work it out. You know, I want you to think right now with me about the most joy-filled person you know. I want you to get this person in your mind Think about them, kind of see their face. So when I think about one of the most joy-filled people I know, I think about my Nana. She passed away several years ago, but before she passed away, we got the opportunity to bring her here to Charleston. You know, she lived in Charlotte her whole life, and she lived in this one house for over 30 years. She raised all of her children in this house. And she started to get dementia and Alzheimer's. And so that's why we got the opportunity to bring her here to Charlotte, to Charleston, which was awesome for us. But we knew for her, it was gonna be really challenging to leave a home that you loved 30 years. And I'll never forget, my mom worked so hard to make sure that the place at Summerbee that she was moving into was perfect for her. It was just one small room, but my mom tried to make sure she had all the things that she would love from her house, but we were still a little fearful of how is this gonna affect her? Is she gonna be real sad by leaving her home of 30 years? And I'll never forget the first day I walked into her new room at Summerby, and I walked in and she said, Katie, welcome to my dollhouse. (laughs) She said, welcome to my dollhouse. And I remember knowing in that moment, you cannot take that woman's joy. You cannot take her joy because she had lived long enough to watch God be so faithful to her through every single season. She was a woman of joy. And God wants us to be a woman of joy too. He wants us to be people that carry his joy into the world. And you know, we lived down the street from my Nana in the duplexes um, at Kingsgate here in Charleston. And I'll never forget, I was having a really rough night. We had five kids at the time. And I was so discouraged. And I told Josh, I said, I just need to go sit with my Nana. And because of the dementia, I didn't know how much advice she was gonna be able to give me or what she was actually gonna say. I just knew I needed to be in her presence. And I went that night and I sat on the edge of her bed and I just remember I'm just crying. And I was like, Nana, I'm just so exhausted. I'm so tired. I don't think I'm doing this very good. I'm just not, not doing this well. And I'll never forget, she looked at me and she said, well, Katie, I wonder why. She's like, you're gonna be tired. You are gonna be tired. She's like, it's a lot. But she said, but God's gonna work it out. God's gonna work it out. 
And you know, some of you here this weekend, you need to hear those same words, that God's going to work it out. And many of us are called, though, to be people that go into this world and are able to speak that into others. The reason why she was able to tell me that is she believed it for herself. God is going to work it out. The third thing that we need to remember if we're going to be people who choose joy is that we've got to choose to look beyond what's happening right now. We've got to look beyond what's happening right now. You know, Luke 2 is one of my favorite passages that's there on your outline, and I love studying these specific passages of Scripture that talk about the women of the Bible or the moms. You know, this one was about Mary, Jesus' mother, and I know that this is true. I know that God could have chosen any point in time to send his son. He could have given him to any woman, and he chose Mary. So there's so many things that we can learn from her life. And in Luke 2, when the angel first comes to tell her that she's pregnant, this is what the angel says. He says, the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news that will bring great joy for all the people. It will bring great joy for all the people. He did not come to her and say, good news, you're an unwed teenage mom. You feel incapable and you're gonna be raising the God of the universe. (laughs) He did not come to her and say that. But he said, don't fear because it will bring great joy. And you know, so many times out of our life, we're in spaces or seasons or trials where we need to know that we've gotta look beyond what's happening right now in this moment. You know, Pastor Greg said this a couple weeks ago, but I've always loved when he gives us this perspective and this picture. And he said, even when things look like they're falling apart, they may just be falling together. They may just be falling together. Sometimes we gotta be people that choose to look beyond what's happening right now. You know, we got to meet this couple the other couple months ago, and their name were Tylena and Andrew. And Andrew's from Africa, and Tylena was from Philadelphia. And Josh and I had so much fun with them. We died laughing with them all night. They were just a riot. And at one point, I looked over at them, and I was like, y'all, how are you so joyful? You are so fun and so joyful. And Tylena was like, girl, I have not always been like that. That is Andrew. She's like, that is Andrew. She was like, from the moment I met him, you literally could not upset this man. She's like, he is so unique. And she said, one time when we were dating, I finally looked at him and I said, Andrew, why are you so full of joy? And he looked at me and he said, I choose to be. I choose to be. And we just died laughing. Josh and I have said that so many times since. It's like a rough night, and we'll look at each other and say, I choose to be. I choose to be. And some of you need to know that too. Sometimes we just gotta choose to be. We gotta choose to be joyful because we gotta look beyond what's happening right now in this very moment. You know, I told you about when we first got to Seacoast 10 years ago when we were in a really dark place. And I did not feel like a woman of joy. I felt like a woman of desperation, even depression at times. It was a really difficult season. But I watched God start to restore us and start to bring us back to life and start to restore my joy. And you know, I'll never forget, I I came on to the care team under Pastor Michael's leadership and Julie Hyatt, who's an incredible prayer warrior here at this church. And Julie Hyatt had a life chapter, Isaiah 61. And I remember thinking, I want a life chapter. I mean, Josh and I only have a verse, John 10, 10. (laughs) That sounds really good to have a life chapter. But I loved Isaiah 61 because what Isaiah 61 represented to me at the time 
was seacoast. It talks about the spirit of the Lord and it trading, trading our heaviness for a garment of praise. And that's what I felt like God was doing. But I want you to know that over the past 10 years, I've had to fight for my joy, just like you have. There's been so many times where I know the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's tried to take my joy away. Just like I said, I was challenged at the beginning so much by the women in Togo. Because I feel like I'm at times managing blessings or, you know, just trying to get through the day. Or I have the enemy whispering lies in my mind. And I've had to fight for that joy. And so there's three things I want us to look at today from Isaiah 61, three behaviors that we can have to be people of joy, that we can use these behaviors to, to fight for that joy a little bit, to act in joy. And the first one is there on your outline, that we need to serve with gladness, serve with gladness. You know, Isaiah 61 starts like this. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives. He's basically saying the spirit of God is on us to do some things, to serve, to serve our God. And so if we're gonna be people that serve, we need to do it with gladness, right? Wherever you find yourself serving, whether that's a doctor or a lawyer or a business leader or a stay-at-home mom or serving here in the church, we need to be people that serve with gladness. That's something that we can choose to do every single day. The second thing there on your outline is that we wanna be people that speak positive and life-giving words. Positive and life-giving words. You know, it says in Isaiah 61, it says, "He, the Spirit of God is on me to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The year of the Lord's favor. Do you know how much courage and boldness it takes to speak positive and life-giving words sometimes? You know, I heard that we get over 5,000 or just around the average is 5,000 words a day. That's 5,000 opportunities to bless someone, to encourage them, to tell them something life-giving. And do you know what? If we're gonna be people of joy, these things are gonna actually have to come out of our mouth because nobody knows what you're thinking. If you like their outfit or their shirt or the way they treat their husband or the way they talk to their child or the way they lead that team, nobody knows what you're thinking. You gotta tell them that. You gotta say those things. You gotta say those positive words. You know, I don't know about you, but I love coming up with new positive words to speak over my children. I'll say things like, you are mighty men of God, or you are Walter's gentleman. Sometimes they don't even always make sense. So basically, I like to follow, even follow people online that have positive words because I can run out of words sometimes. And I've been watching this woman recently. She's in her 60s, and she has this account called Best Buddies Music. And she says the most positive things. The other day she said, Don Cherie, you're tough as a boot. Now let's go do this God's way. And I didn't know exactly what that means, but sure enough, Josh walks in the kitchen the other day and Ari's sitting there and I'm like, Caleb, Ari, you are tough as a boot. Now let's go do this God's way. And Josh looked at me, he's like, what does that mean? <laughs> and I was like, I'm not real sure, but I like the way that it sounds. <laughs> and so sometimes we gotta say things that don't even all the way make sense. You know what I'm saying? We just gotta speak those positive and life-giving words. And here's what I know is true. If we will be a people of joy, if we will say these things, these positive things, these words will actually come back and serve us. Because do y'all know what happened this week? I'm walking around and I am starting to get full of fear. I am so discouraged and that fear is like, coming on me and all of a sudden all I heard was K 
Katie Walters, you are tough as a boot. Now let's go do this God's way. I was like, okay, okay. Those words will serve you because we all have a soundtrack in our minds. And if it is positive and life-giving that's coming out, we're gonna be saying it back to ourselves too. And that's how we're gonna be people of joy. So the third thing there on your outline is that we are gonna have to be people that put on praise. Put on praise. You know, it says there in Isaiah 61 that God wants to give us a garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. A garment of praise. You know what that means? A garment. You're gonna have to put it on every single day. And I know none of you are gonna forget to put on clothes. Walter's boys will forget to put on clothes 100% of the time, I will have to tell them. But most everyone here is not gonna forget to put on clothes. And that's how we have to put on praise. You know, Josh, without fail, every single morning, he walks into the bathroom when he starts getting ready and worship music goes on and it is blaring. And I'm not gonna tell you, but sometimes I'm still trying to sleep. You know what I'm saying? And it's loud. But I'm so thankful that every single day he puts on praise the whole time he's getting ready. And the other day I walked into the girls' room and what did I hear? They were getting ready in the shower and praise music was blaring in their room. He taught them how to do that. Because we have to be people that every single day put on praise. Sometimes it's actual praise, praise and worship music. For some of us, it needs to come out of our mouth. To be people of joy, we're gonna roll over and we're gonna say, thank you, God, that there is breath in my lungs, that you've given me another day, another opportunity to serve you, another opportunity to love that person that you've put in my path. Thank you, God, for all my blessings. We're gonna have to put on that praise every single day. And you know, in this past series where we've been talking about restoration and this restoring work that God has done, we've been using this pot as kind of the analogy or the example of our lives. And I was telling you about Josh and I's story and how 10 years ago we came here and God in his love and in his mercy, he tenderly and patiently put us back together again. And he restored us. And it is his joy to do that for you too tonight, wherever you find yourself. For those of us that he has restored, that he's healed, that he's put back together again, you know, then we are left to ask ourselves why. You know, we know we're not the potter, we're just the pot. Why did he restore us? What is the purpose of our lives? You know, the purpose of our lives is to pour ourselves out, to pour our lives out, just like Jesus did, who literally gave it all for us. He poured it all out, even unto death, just for us. And so we are this restored people, and we're called to pour our lives out to a hurting and broken world. But I don't know about you, but I've had many seasons where I've tried to pour and pour and pour on empty. And so the best news of all tonight is that we don't have to be a people that musters up joy. We don't have to just become more joyful or get more joy or work the muscle of joy. We are a people that actually get to be filled with God's spirit. That's the only way we can pour out is we fill ourselves up with God's spirit. Just like we talked about in Psalm 16 at the very beginning, in his presence, there's fullness of joy. Galatians 5 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, the things that we're supposed to pour out to this world is a fruit of God's spirit. And so tonight, wherever you find yourself, here or online at the campuses, I just want us to take a minute and pray and just ask God if you need a fresh filling of God's Holy Spirit to let you walk out of here ready to pour out joy to our world. I would just invite you tonight to join with me in praying and just asking God, God, please, would your spirit come in? Dwell within me. Help me to remember the truths of your scripture that helps me to be a person of joy. Help me to remember to get in your presence every day to put on praise. Will you pray with me tonight? God, we love you so much. I thank you so much for each and every person in this room. God, they are not here by accident. They are here because you, because you've been drawing them to yourself. You've been drawing them here to your presence. So God, tonight we just open our hands to you. All across this room, we just ask you, God, for a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit. You have come so that we could have life and have it so much more abundantly. You've come to make us people of joy. And God, we ask that your spirit comes and does what only it can do. You fill us with your spirit so that we can pour out joy to your children that are lost, that are hurting, that are waiting for us to love them. We love you so much. In your name, amen. And...